0: Uh, In in that same song, there is actually another philosophical point. Uh, The song goes, um, every hand's a winner and every hand's a loser, which I'm not, by the way, I'm not promoting gambling here uh, at all, (laughs) Um, but it's true in, you know, in, uh, in poker, you know, you could have the worst hand in the world and still win and vice versa. And that's actually true about our life, that. Uh, Even Srila Prabhupada once used the example that a a good business person knows how to make money when the market is up and when the market is down, right? So similarly, every hand's a winner, every hand's a loser. A terrible thing may happen to us, and we see the uh, silver lining, and we see uh, uh, Krishna's um, hand in it, and we make spiritual advancement, and things go great for us, and we thank Krishna for that. And we make spiritual advancement and the opposite things go bad. And we say, Oh, you know, there's no God. Why did God do this to me? Right. And things go really well. And we pat ourselves on the back and say, I'm really together. You know, aren't I the, the cat's meow. Aren't I the best? I mean, I guess, again, if you're not from my generation, you might not know what a cat's meow is, but uh, right Andy. (laughs) Okay. So, but anyway, uh, enough with Kenny Rogers, and let's get to the uh, Bhagavatam. Om namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Agnate Timurandasya Gananjana Shalakaya, Militam Yena Tasmay Shri Gurave Namaha. I was born into the darkness of ignorance. And my spiritual masters open my eyes with the torchlight torch light of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Okay, so we are, I, I think there's a good chance we'll finish this chapter today, but I think I better preface that by saying Krishna willing. Because I've said things like that before and uh, <laughs> it doesn't happen. But we are on uh, text 14 of chapter 6. Okay. Yes, all right, uh, of Canto 8. So 8, 6, 14. And the, demi, uh, the demigods are uh, are praying to the Lord, and they say, my dear, my Lord, we, the various demigods, the directors of the universe, have come to your lotus feet. Please fulfill the purpose for which we have come. You are the witness of everything from within and without. Nothing is unknown to you and therefore it is unnecessary to inform inform you again of anything. Report. As stated in Bhagavad Gita 13.3, Kshetra-gyam-chapi-mam-vidhi-sarva-sketreshu-bharata. The individual souls are proprietors of their individual bodies, but the Supreme Personality of Godhead is the proprietor of all bodies. So there's in every body, Every living entity, there's the soul and then Krishna as a super soul. Since he is the witness of everyone's body, nothing is unknown to him. He knows what we need. Our duty, therefore, is to execute devotional service sincerely. Devotional service, bhakti, under the direction of the spiritual master. Krishna, by his grace, will supply whatever we need in executing our devotional service. In the Krishna Conscious Movement, we simply have to execute the order of Krishna and Guru. Then all necessities will be supplied by Krishna, even if we do not ask for them. So there's a lot, actually, in that short report. Um, There's a lot there, actually. So, yes, so Krishna knows everything. And Prabhupada here is quoting a well-known verse from the 13th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita which is talking about the super soul, uh, Krishna in the heart. Um, And he, God is following us in whatever birth we take. And it's compared sometimes as two birds sitting in a tree. And one bird is eating the fruit and ignoring the other bird. And the other bird is waiting there patiently for that first bird to turn around and develop a relationship with him but no we're busy with the you know going after the fruit so um so we can say and it's it's a fact that you know god in our heart krishna in our heart knows what's going on sarva shaitra shu parata that's the sanskrit okay so he knows what's going on um but that doesn't mean here is so we have to look at this in the con in the context and also in the greater context so on one level this could this could lead to almost an impersonalistic viewpoint right that yeah krishna knows everything i don't have to you know chant his name or, or pray to him or anything because he knows everything already he knows what's in my heart you know why I, why should i go you know do this uh, uh, or that Krishna knows that I have a good intentions and whether I do the activity or not, you know. But so, this idea that uh, it could lead to kind of a wrong um, conclusion that just because Krishna knows everything, we don't, you know, because prayer is one of the, you know, the nine practices of bhakti. Vandanam means in Sanskrit means prayer. And of course, the Hare Krishna mantra is a kind of prayer. Oh, my Lord, oh, energy of the Lord. Please uh, allow me to serve you.
1: Hmm.
0: So that so that's on one level. and uh, even people who don't, even those of us who approach God not purely, but with some ulterior motive, they are called in Sanskrit sukritina or pious. Right? because at least they're, they're approaching the Lord. They're not just saying, ah the hell with that. Right. And, and Krishna talks about this in the um, seventh chapter, verse 16 of the Gita, where he says, um, four kinds of pious men begin to render devotional service unto me. The distressed. So, you know, asking Krishna to relieve us of our, of our distress. Not, not the terrible thing, but not, you know, just let me serve you. The desire of wealth. Right. Uh, you know, we, we how many times have we quoted? It's actually wasn't Janice Joplin who wrote the song, but she sang it, you know, Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz, etc.? So somebody who wants wealth, and please, you know, let that business deal go through. The inquisitive, and then the, the highest of all, one who is searching for knowledge of the absolute. So and, and right. called, calls all four of them Sukritina, they're pious. Right. So even Praying for things that aren't, you know, there's, some, there's piety there. Um, now, and, and it's much better than the people that were described in uh, the previous verse who just ignore Krishna in, in 715. Uh, but Prabhupada is bringing up here in this purport the, the highest or the very high devotional principle that if we focus on pleasing Krishna, all else falls into place. And we could refer then to um, the 22nd verse of the ninth chapter. It's a beautiful verse. Uh, but those who always worship me with exclusive devotion, meditating on my transcendental form, to them I carry what they lack can I preserve what they have?
2: So are there people waiting to get in, Prabhu?
0: Oh, thank you. How did you know? They sent me a message. You are. I was going to wonder if you were like, you know, just omniscient, like the super soul. I'm going to make by you your mercy, <laughs> Henry, I'm going to make you a co-host just in case anyone else comes.
1: Oh wait, that's not the right person, Henry, co-host. Okay, there you go. Thank you. Now you can use your
0: your uh, omniscient uh, abilities to let people in. So I'm almost done with my my uh, little lecture here on this point, but um, but the, but that so that's what Prabhupada is bringing up to that high level here, right? Where he says that all necessities will be supplied by Krishna, even if we do not ask for them. So the, the, as aspiring devotees, um, we do pray to Krishna, of course. And if we, as far as possible, we want to pray to God for pure love, for bhakti, um, for having a relationship, a loving relationship, um, and nothing else, right? That's, that's, that's actually, you know, pure devotional service, uttama bhakti, anyabilashitas sunyam, kyanakarma anabritam, anukulyena krishna anu, silanam That uh That is the definition of pure bhakti that, anyabhilas other desires, anya means other, abhilas besides serving Krishna, sunyam, try to make them zero. And then the next line explains what those are. Uh, the the fruitive activities and the impersonalistic speculations. And then one should serve Krishna favorably under the guidance of Krishna's devotees. And that's called uttama bhakti or the highest kind of bhakti. And that's certainly what um, Prabhupada is is stating here. Now, it is also said elsewhere that, while that should be our focus, Sometimes in Prabhupada says, especially householders, especially those who are not renunciates, they may sometimes have to pray to, they may sometimes pray to Krishna um, for this or that. It's just, you know, something to help their family, whatever it is, but it may not. So therefore the, the word is anyabilasita. Sita means generally or in normal circumstances. We, we only pray for pure devotion. So, you know, don't think if if you say, hey, Krishna, by the way, uh, my, you know, my daughter's having a hard time. Could you help her? It's not like you're going to get hit by a thunderbolt (laughs) like that, right? Because you're still secreting it. But what's so beautiful about the Gita is it talks about different levels. And here in this purport, Prabhupada is bringing it up to uh, a very high level. Okay, so that was my little talk, or as they say in New York, talk. On that, uh, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, well, I, w- I would say um, definitely uh, one of the parts that can be difficult in interpreting some of these is understanding the the level that it's talking about. Um, yeah, I think uh, you know the text can sometimes seem uh, you know they can seem contradictory if you don't realize that you know. That's right. Exactly. That, that, that's a really good point, and therefore
0: there is commentary, you know, the the purports of Prabhupada, and also there's devotees who've studied for years, and can you know give us some guidance, like uh, our Raghunandan Prabhu and others. Um, Gurudas is here, yes, Ananda the Rupa, you know, um, Jivata, so many, you know, older uh, Henry, so many senior devotees. Um, but you're right, because it, it can it can seem, because Christian, remember we talked at, very, at the very beginning about time, place, and circumstance, so Christian also talks about one, something in one chapter, I was telling uh, uh, some devotees on Friday evening, we were t- studying the Gita together, and how that's, you know, how that's that's so, that he, he'll, he, I, we were only on the third chapter, and someone asked, well, why isn't he just talking about pure body, well, I said, well, you know, he's only on the third chapter yet, there's 18, give him a chance to kind of build up <laughs> you know you know in the in the uh in a uh what did, we, what did we say in a in a mystery uh novel you don't get the answer to the mystery like in the third chapter
1: right?
0: so yeah it's yeah. really important to understand that and also just how how that's how krishna teaches and the and, and bhagavatam also teaches like that
1: so, hey, yeah that's a quick uh, housekeeping question I, I know there was a time. Um, you said you thought that you guys had somewhere uh, almost like a flow sheet of the layers of conversation that occur. In-
0: oh, right. Yeah. Because, because conversations within, conversations within yeah, conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, do you have such a thing? A book? A, uh, a file, you know, like a word document or whatever that, it lists all the different conversations within a conversation, within a conversation in the Bhagavatam.
1: No, Prabhu, I don't no. have it.
0: I, I know the person who did one years ago. I'll ask him.
1: Okay. I'll ask him. I mean, in, in a way it helps to make it yourself as you're going. It really forces you to kind of like yeah. twist your mind around it and you know. Yeah, because sometimes they're saying the question to Sutta Goswami,
0: sometimes to Sukadeva Goswami, sometimes to Maitreya. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and others also. And it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, other thoughts, questions, comments?
3: One other thought I had uh, when you were mentioning that uh, verse about Krishna protecting what we have and uh, carrying what we lack. Um, and also, Prabhupada is talking about that in the purport that Krishna will supply whatever we need in executing a devotional service. In, in one sense, even bhakti is a, a shakti, a potency of the Supreme Lord, because without his grace and mercy, or the grace and mercy of his devotees who carry bhakti in their heart, we don't get bhakti. So basically the seed of bhakti comes from him and whatever uh, raw materials and resources we need
0: to nurture and nourish that seed also comes from him. Right. So it's a beautiful combination that Love for Krishna is everyone's heart already. And, not or, and the the devotee um, uh, plants the seed uh, or, or nourishes the seed, yes. And so therefore, um, sadhu sangha, the association of devotees is uh, the root cause of bhakti.
1: Yeah. And that thing about, uh, it's, it's interesting how, so real,
0: you know, sannyasi, a full renunciate, they don't, or they, they're meant to not think at all about their maintenance, just depend on God, depend on Krishna. And, uh, it was funny yesterday, yesterday I was talking to a, um, uh, a member of our congregation who's a financial advisor. And he, um, and we were talking about retirement for me and how, you know, and, he, you know, he, um, he said, well, you need uh, this much, you need, you, you know, people, you'll need five to $6,000 a month in retirement. And I was thinking like, you know, I mentioned that to my son and my son was like, I don't think he gets like where devotees come from. You know, he said, we're supposed to depend fully on Krishna, but five is it, you know, he said, but I don't, he said, you don't need that much. You just need some place to sleep, some place to eat, a computer, and books to read. What else do you need? You know, you know, you, you know, know, he, he was saying because he gets, you know, he, he's married and he lives in England. He gets by on 2,000 pounds a month. So, you know, you know, you know. <laughs> so it's just interesting the different, oh, you know, this person, by the way, was trying to help me, he was really trying to be, but, you know, there's no way I'm going to have that kind of income in my retirement, and I'm sure I'll be fine, um, but the but the idea of, um, depending on Krishna, of course, it's a lot easier when one is a renunciate, and, uh, you know, has no cares in the world, but there's very few of us who are, you know, out of the Let's say in even in in the ISKCON society, out of the you know nine hundred or one point five million members, there's what hundred two hundred sannyasis. <laughs> so like that, Henry, you had your hand up.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Sorry, there's so there's two hundred. Yeah, something like that. Two hundred. That's interesting. Okay. yeah, maybe three hundred. Um,
2: you know um I uh, you know um. I didn't, know how to have, I, I didn't know that I had my hand up. I, I, I can't see if anybody's trying to get in because I'm using my phone today. Oh, okay. So I haven't seen anybody trying to get in. I'm not sure if I'm seeing it right. And no about, problem. That thing, that, about that thing of the different levels of the Bhagavatam and, you know, actually Kastuba knows it, you know, he can explain it. And he tries to, I still haven't gotten it myself, but I think you should bring Kastuba on to explain his system of the different levels of the Bhagavatam and who's talking to who who and everything, because he's got the answer there.
0: Thank you, Henry. Thank you. We'd be honored to have Kastuba here. Okay, anything else on this? All right, then we are going up to verse number, oh, all the way up to 28. Wow, so we're gonna be reading quite a few verses. Um, verse 15. "I, Lord Brahma, Lord Shiva, and all the demigods accompanied by the Prajapatis like Daksha, are nothing but sparks illuminated by you, who are the original fire. Since we are particles of you, what can we understand about what can we understand about our welfare? O Supreme Lord, please give us the means of deliverance that is suitable for the brahmanas, and demigods. And now, <laughs> talk about conversations within conversations. Now, Sukadeva Swami is talking to Maharaj Brikshit, and he says, when the Lord was thus offered prayers by the demigods headed by Lord Brahma, he understood the purpose for which they had approached him. Therefore, in a deep voice that resembled the rumbling of clouds, the Lord replied to the demigods, who all stood there attentive, attentively, with folded hands. Now, wouldn't that be interesting if we heard that voice resembling the rumbling of clouds? But it's a poetic uh, description, isn't it? Okay, so although the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the master of the demigods was capable of performing the activities of the demigods by himself, he wanted to enjoy pastimes and churning the ocean. Therefore, he spoke as follows. So, you know, Krishna could take care of things himself, but he, he, he um, yeah, well, here it says, there's this beautiful pastime that's going to, amazing pastime that's going to come up in the next few chapters, and uh, so Krishna is orchestrating that. And he says, uh, "Oh Lord Brahma, Lord Shiva, and other demigods, please hear me with great attention, for what I say will bring good fortune for all of you. As long as you are not flourishing, you should make a truce with the demons and the suras who are now being favored by time. So this, we could get into a whole discussion about this thing about favored by time. Um, That time is such a um, amazing thing. We've talked about time a lot. Uh, uh, Kala is is Sanskrit. Um, And if you're favored by time, just like, you know someone may be a great athlete and so he or she gets you know wins so many medals or gets so many championships and you know they're favored by time but of course that doesn't last forever they have to retire at some point in time (laughs) you know so time uh we have our ups and downs and they all take place um in encapsulated uh, or within the the time factor Right. And of course the time factor is um uh time is such an amazing element or or, yeah factor or or thing, especially in the Vedic literature, right? Because even um you know sometimes uh modern scientists, well, I was just reading yesterday, well, 3.5 billion years the earth has existed, some of like that, but that's actually a very short amount of time compared to, let's say Lord Brahma's lifetime, as, as an example, or, you know, and, and how time is relative, right, it's, we, we've talked about this before, about time is, you know, Let's if this class is really boring, then, then that hour and a half is gonna seem like forever, right? And if it's super interesting, then it's like, oh, it's over already, wow, where did the time go? It's the same hour and a half, Right, or our f- full lifetime compared to a um, I don't know a butterfly's full lifetime. I assume butterflies don't live that long. I've never really checked. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it, we both live a full life. We experience it as a full life, although it's 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 relative, right? So time is relative. Time is uh, it's all pervasive. You can't stop time from marching on. Right? All the vitamin E in the world, uh, all the kale, and you know, I, I'm trying to be really healthy these days. You know, chia seeds and kale and this and that. But <laughs> it's, time will continue to march on. All the Botox in the world will not stop time from marching on. So um, it's a very, very powerful element, and therefore it says Krishna says it represents Him in the sense of its its power. Uh Rudas you have your hand up.
2: Yeah. All right, Krishna. <clears throat> Excuse me, please accept my humble obeisances to you and all the devotees. Um what what you're talking about is, is really fascinating in the sense that it's our perception of time that um is so valuable and relevant to the gopis in the Rasa dance <clears throat> are described as uh, the Rasa dance lasted for a night and day of Lord Brahma, but it passed, it passed as if a moment. Yeah. Yeah, right. So it's always, it's always mm, felt to me that, If one is favored by time, uh, and this is open to interpretation by anyone here or or dispute, but if one's favored by time, we experience uh, an enjoyable uh, period as lasting forever and if we're not favored by time that uh enjoyable experiences mm it it's you know it's gone for good before you know it and the yep
0: yeah um exactly and uh <laughs> I think that, yeah, I always find that there's lessons in, in, in the world. So there, there's a, there's a talk about another song. There's a song by, uh, what is that? Called? Uh, Tracy Lawrence It's a country and Western song called time marches on. Um, and he, you know, it just shows how, and anyway, I, I don't think I'll sing it or play it right now, but it, or, you know, time, what is it? That, who's that? Uh, Steve, Steve Miller Band, uh, Time Keeps on Slipping into the Future. So, you know, they're, they're, it, there's, uh, or, you know, there's so many actual songs about time. If I Could Turn Back the Hands of Time is another song, right? People you know, lamenting about the passing of time. Um, it's, it's because it, it represents Krishna. So in one sense, they're talking about Krishna or a representation of Krishna and and all-powerful one just like dean experiences this right because you know his little daughter was this size and i saw her, i had i hadn't seen her in about eight months
1: and oh, i saw yeah. her
0: last i was like whoa who's that <laughs>
1: yeah
0: and, you know, it happens practically before your eyes right mm-hmm.
1: and,
0: and i know a number of us uh shanaz has children and and uh um, and the rupa Two kids and yeah, so many of us. Yeah. And so uh ravu has children. Um we've we've seen it in our lifetimes, it both looking in the mirror <laughs> and uh and also uh seeing, you know, let's say our children growing up. So time is very powerful. Um and therefore, basically what Krishna is saying here in 19 is it's not the right time. So again, remember we said in the very beginning of the class, time, place, and circumstance know when to hold them, no when to fold them and all that, right? So this wasn't the time to, uh, the right time to get into a battle with those that you have a very different opinion, you know, just, you know, so when the time, we have heard that, right? Like when the time is right, right? That's saying, so here they're saying, Christian's saying, no, the time is right. You're not flourishing now. So now's the time to make a truce. And he says, oh, demigods in 20, Fulfilling one's own interests is so important that one may even have to make a truce with one's enemies. For the sake of one's self-interest, one has to act according to the logic of the snake and the mouse. So if you don't know the snake and the mouse, that's mentioned in the purport. A snake and a mouse were once caught in a basket. Now, since the mouse is food for the snake, this was a good opportunity for the snake. However, since both of them were caught in the basket, even if the snake ate the mouse, the snake would not be able to get out. Therefore, the snake thought it wise to make a truce with the mouse and ask the mouse to make a hole in the basket so that both of them could get out. The snake's intention was that after the mouse had made a hole, the snake would eat the mouse and escape from the basket through the hole. This is called the logic of the snake and the mouse. So it's sometimes um, different nyaya, it's called nyaya Nyaya is a word for logic in uh, Sanskrit. And different nyayas are sometimes uh, explained through stories like that. Right. Like, um, like one, one part of logic is you you notice a far away image, but you, you notice something very abstract by understanding something very tangible. And that's called the uh, the moon through the branches logic. Like where is where's the moon? Oh, it's you just you see the branch there? You see the moon through that branch. You can see the branch right away, right? So that's, uh, so there's different kinds of um, of traditional logic in that sense. Mm. Um, So we will continue. And, you know, we see this, we saw this in World War II. Uh, For example, it's not like Roosevelt and Stalin were best friends, right? A matter of fact, they were, um, they, you know, their um, philosophy of governance was, you know, the antithesis of one another, but they temporarily (laughs) became uh, allies, right? If you know World War, if you know a little bit about World War II. And then afterwards, uh, no, they weren't allies after all. (laughs) And then Gorbachev came along, anyway, you know the history of, the world. Uh, next verse, 21. Immediately endeavor to produce nectar, which a person who is about to die may drink to become immortal. O demigods, cast into the ocean of milk all kinds of vegetables, grass, creepers, and drugs. Then, with my help, and those weren't like, you know, um, drugs like, you know, cocaine or something. It was um, Ayurvedic medicine then with my help making mandara mountain the churning rod and vasuki the rope for churning churn the ocean of milk with undiverted attention thus the demons will be engaged in labor but you O oh demigods will gain the actual result the nectar produced from the ocean so he's giving a little premonition a plan my dear demigods with patience and peace everything can be done but if one is agitated by anger, the goal is not achieved. Therefore, whatever the demons ask, agree to their proposal. A poison known as Kalakuta will be generated from the ocean of milk, but you should not fear it. And when various products are churned from the ocean, you should not be greedy for them or anxious to attain them, nor should you be angry. And wait a second, what verse did I say we're going up to? So I don't, um, 28, oh, okay. Good. Almost there. Now Sukadeva Swami is continuing because that was Vishnu talking to the demigods. O King Pariksit, after advising the demigods in this way, the independent supreme personality of God, the best of all of the entities, disappeared from their presence. Then Lord Brahman, Lord Shiva, after offering their respectful obeisances to the Lord, returned to their abodes. All the demigods then approached Bali Maharaj, who was the, the king of the um, Daitias, which is translated as demons, you know, um, and it, this may take some explanation in the next class, because Balimar is actually, although he's the king of the demons, is a great, great devotee, okay, so Balimar, is the most celebrated king of the demons, knew very well when to make peace and when to fight, thus Although his commanders and captains were agitated and were about to kill the demigods, Maharaj Bali, seeing that the demigods were coming to him without a militant attitude, forbade his commanders to kill them. Purport Vedic etiquette enjoins Grihe Satrum Apipraptam Vishvastam Akutobhayam. When enemies come to their opponent's place, they should be received in such a way that they will forget that there is animosity between the two parties. That's part of the traditional culture. Bali Maharaj was well conversant with the arts of peacemaking and fighting. Thus, he received the demigods very well, although his commanders and captains were agitated. They wanted to fight. Right. This kind of treatment was prevalent even during the fight between the Pandavas and the Kurus. Now we're talking about Bhagavad Gita, the Mahabharata. During the day, the Pandavas and Kurus would fight with the utmost strength. And when the day was over, they would go to each other's camps as friends and receive and be received as such. During such friendly meetings, one enemy would offer anything the other enemy wanted. That was the system. Not exactly what's, hap- what's happening today. Um, not if whatever transpires in um, Ukraine, that is not gonna be what happens. But this was what what um, <clears throat> what happens. Now I thought I there's in in my uh, in in Maya uh, in my profession we I talk sometimes about the difference between opponents and adversaries. So a opponent is someone who disagrees with you has a very different Take on whether it's, you know, philosophical, managerial, ethical, whatever, but you trust them. You trust them as a human being, but they, uh, but you have a very strongly different opinion than them. And then opponent, now you can, you know, that adversary is, you disagree with them, and you don't trust them. And there's a difference between those two. Uh, the opponent, actually, uh, if they actually are trust, you trust them and they are trustworthy, they actually make you a better person. They can help make you a better person by explaining things the way they see them, by pointing out perhaps the the shortcomings in, 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 in how you are doing something or how you are thinking about something. And it can they can actually really be a great uh, help, uh, whereas the adversary, you know, not so much so. And generally it's said that we should at least start with thinking of someone as an opponent and only after really showing that they're not trustworthy, put them in that latter category. And another, just, this is kind of an aside, but the adversary often takes up a lot of our psychic energy. And generally the instruction is as much as possible, just ignore them. If you you really don't trust them at all, and they see the world totally different than you then then generally they're just going to put you in anxiety and life is too short for that by the way there's also two categories of people that do agree with you people that agree with you and you trust and people that you agree with you and you don't trust (laughs) and so that might be what's going on here to some extent because um, both the demigods and the demons have ulterior motives but for the time being, they're making peace <laughs> but they both <laughs> want to, you know, they both have a, a little uh, tricky they both actually want something <laughs> But anyway, I, I thought that was a, I've used that a lot in my work and even in counseling devotees those four kind of quadrants if you will um, the one that, by the way, the one that you um, uh, you agree with but you don't trust—the the word for them is uh, bedfellows, right? Because there's that saying, right, that politics can sometimes make interesting bedfellows that you work like like Stalin and Roosevelt and, and Churchill for you know for that matter in World War II uh, as an example. <laughs> I mean, Stalin was a terrible person. Not that I, you know, I'm not trying to make say Roosevelt was great or Churchill was great or bad that, you know, we're not going to get into Paul, but Stalin was a, 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 you know, really, really bad person. I mean, how many millions of his own people did he kill, but still in order to, you know, get world war two, won by the allies, they, they made bedfellows. (laughs) Um, So uh, what else did I want to say about this first? Oh, and there are, um, in, and this is not about pure devotional service, by the way, but in um, Vedic uh, Rajniti, it's called the the um, what is niti? Rahu um, means diplomacy. So the diplomacy of a king. There was four stages of it, right? One um, where I wrote it down here. Um, there's four ways to suppress someone. Uh, legal orders, pacification, offering them a position, or finally dunda, or, you know, trying to defeat them. Um, uh, so interesting, one of the, so one thing is offering somebody a position is a way to get them on your side, right? Or uh, pacify them with sweet words. Shanaz, you have your hand up.
3: Yes, thank you again. Um... I was just curious about if what the terms were for the two types of people who agree with you.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, well, one of them was bedfellows, right? I, I said that, right? That's the one that you agree with, but you don't trust. And the other one was um, uh, allies.
1: Oh, okay. Thank
0: okay. you. So allies, bedfellows, adversaries, and opponents. And if you, um, I was just studying this for some work that I was doing. I don't know if it, this actually works. Let me see. Hold on. Can you, can you see that? Yes or no?
3: Yes.
0: Okay. So that's the, uh, that's how it kind of plays out. Okay, uh, some questions, comments on, on this, on this uh, interesting uh, points here.
4: Well, um, you, can okay. use that, you can use that matrix for a lot of things. The other one, like different logics, is called the fire alarm matrix. So you're in a building, the fire alarm goes off, right? Then the other side of the matrix is the building is actually on fire or it's not on fire. So you could be in the building, the fire alarm doesn't go off and it's actually on fire. So you can actually use this kind of matrix to decide a lot of things.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, um, right. Uh, There's also Johari's window, if you're familiar with that. Anyone in um, the field of um, organizational development. And we do something called polarity management. that's a whole another thing, but I'll, I'll try to explain it really briefly. Um, it's when two things are, are poles, like innovation and tradition, right? And then, so one, one of the four quadrants is um, the positive things about innovation. And then below that, the next quadrant is the negative things about innovation. And then on the other side, the positive things about tradition. And then on the other side, the negative things about tradition. And what you try to do is you try to um, uh, so what what I would do what I would do is I'd I'd walk everyone in the meeting through all four of those quadrants, and I'd ask them to brainstorm. You know, what are some of the positive things about innovation? Oh, creativity, entrepreneurship. Da 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 da. da. Um, and then what are some of the negative things? Oh, uh, you know, things in disarray people going in different directions, herding cats, etc. What's well, the good thing about tradition? Da, 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 da. And then you try to find out what can we do to get the best parts of tradition and innovation and avoid the worst parts of tradition and innovation. That, that's another way to use a matrix. So yeah, there's a lot of ways. Thank you for that, Andy. Other thoughts?
3: Hari Krishna, Prabhu.
0: Yes, and then the Rupa Mataji. Yeah.
3: So Prabhuji, what we have been reading, actually, I was reflecting a lot, Um, you know, being in this uh, devotional life versus when we are in material consciousness and we are presented with a lot of times, a lot of situations where we are challenged to be tolerant, to be respectful, um, to be humble. And here, uh, slightly speaking about time, the Supreme Lord has asked the demigods to be tolerant, I guess, and just what we say go with the flow and not react and wait for the right time. Only thing is, if we can remember this always and appropriately apply it. So we get tested actually because, you know, how we say being under different modes of nature. We operate differently in different times if we are not constantly having Krishna's names on our lips, not exactly in the right consciousness. Uh, so that is where we get carried away and we think things are happening to us. You know, somebody is doing things to us and we need to react or address it right then and there without any delay. And then, of course, we deal with the consequences. And though intentions. <laughs> Yes, the intentions may be good, you know, like yeah. you always remind us, uh, what's that? Uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, something like that, right?
1: right, right. Yes, that's right. That's,
3: so, yeah, I was uh, reflecting on that. And so this is really wonderful. We are reading about this. I mean, in um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings also, you know, constantly we are discussing how we should be.
0: Yeah,
3: and, yeah.
0: The it, it, and it requires kind of like... Uh, Regular hearing about Krishna and the philosophy, because um, by nature the conditioned soul is forgetful. That's why we have that's one of the main reasons we have classes like this, right? Uh, Because at least you know we're remembering Krishna, and then hopefully we we take the the, what we learn and we apply that in life. And that's where you know that's where the rubber meets the road, as the saying goes. That that's the challenge. You know, and I can tell you that from my personal life—it's really not that hard to speak about Krishna for an hour and a half, like you know, we're do, I'm doing. The real hard thing is for me to practice what I preach once. I, <laughs> once I turn off the Zoom, and that's really where the uh, that's where the challenge is for all of us. But it, but you get but so the question then would be how do we get the strength to make the right choices? And of course, that ultimately comes from Krishna, but it comes especially from Shravanam and Kirtanam, hearing and chanting.
3: And yeah. that also comes from the de- devotees, devotees. Yeah, it's an association.
0: People. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, right.
3: Uh, so Actually, this morning itself, I was reading something to this effect. How does one cultivate that deep attachment and absorption in trying to serve Krishna? And uh, it was mentioned it comes from the devotees of the Lord. Yeah. And because so you see... You're- yeah so
0: and you're in the best position because both you and your husband are saints, so when you associate
3: our position is exactly what you just mentioned actually a minute back. For hours we can talk about philosophy and we are having challenges <laughs> to really apply it. so so just we like to stay prayerful and that's sometimes that's sometimes we are in most times
0: humility, in. but if it were true, then join the club. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you for that, uh, uh, Ananda Other questions, comments, thoughts? Okay. Well, then, should we carry on? So we're going up to 39. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, we're going up to, yeah, 39. Oh, no. We got to 32 and then 39. Okay. Um, the demigods approached Bali Maharaj, the son of Virochana, and sat down near him. Bali Maharaj was protected by the commanders of the demons and was most opulent, having conquered all the universe. After pleasing Bali Maharaj with mild words, Lord Indra, the king of the demigods, who was most intelligent, very politely submitted all the proposals he had learned from the supreme personality of Godhead, Lord Vishnu. The proposals submitted by King Indra were immediately accepted by Vali Maharaj and, assist, and his assistants headed by Sambara and Arista Nemi and by all the other residents of Tripura. O Maharaj Preekshet, uh, chastiser of enemies. The, so this is still Sukadev telling the story. The demigods and the demons thereafter made an armistice between them. Then with great enterprise, they arranged to produce Nectar as proposed by Lord Indra. The purport says that the word samvidham is significant in this verse. The demigods and demons both agreed to stop fighting, at least for the time being, and endeavored to produce nectar. Um, Srila <clears throat> Vishnu of Chakravarti Thakur notes in this connection that there's a verse and it says the word samvit is variously used to mean in fighting, in promising, for satisfying, and addressing. By practical action, indication, and knowledge. Now you see what I mean. Sanskrit's amazing, right? There's one, two, three, four, five, seven different meanings of that one word. <laughs> so one really needs to know the context to know what, which, which, how to translate something. And therefore, Prabhupada was so painstaking in translating um, these this literature into English. <clears throat> So they both agreed to stop fighting at least for some time. Um, and like I said, they both were like, you know, what is it like, you know, twirling their mustache to ha 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 ha, really, I have, they have mm-hmm. diabolical plans. <laughs> but at least they, they made peace uh, to get something done. And again, that, that might be an example from uh, the history of World War II. You know the fact that Stalin, that Russia and UK and, and America made a peace. Um, probably without doing that, there could have been a very very different outcome of World War II. But because then the Germans tried to fight on both fronts and they that, that diluted their energy and then they made some big big mistakes in trying to defeat Russia. Um, you know World War II ended in that way even though afterwards there was a cold war. <laughs> Although um, it was a cold war, it wasn't people dying so much, but it was, uh, you know, I, I grew up um, in part of that, you know, we, we were, we, I, I can remember in grade school um, being taught how to duck under the desk and you know, go like this if a nuclear bomb was to hit America. I mean, not that the desk is really gonna protect you much from a nuclear bomb. But <laughs> But yeah, it was uh, really there until uh, early 1990s. Okay, um, we'll carry on unless you have any points you want to make. So 33, thereafter with great strength, the demons and demigods who were very powerful and who had long stout arms uprooted Mandara mountain. Crying very loudly, they brought it toward the ocean of milk. Now this kind of crying isn't like "Ah!" more like a warlike cry. Because of conveying uh, conveying the great mountain from a long distance, King Indra Maharaj Bali and the other demigods and demons became fatigued. Being unable to carry the mountain, they left it on the way. The mountain known as Bandara, which was extremely heavy, being made of gold, fell and smashed many demigods and demons. They just tried to put it down. The demigods and demons were frustrated and disheartened and their arms, thighs, and shoulders were broken. Thereafter. Therefore, the supreme personality of God who knows everything appeared there on the back of his carrier, Garuda. Observing that most of the demigods, the demons and the demigods had been crushed by the falling of the mountain, the Lord glanced over them and brought them back to life. Thus, they became free from grief, and they even had no bruises on their bodies. That's why I could laugh when I read the translation two verses before, because I knew uh, what was coming. Um, the Lord very easily lifted the mountain with one hand and placed it on the back of Gruda. Then he too got on the back of Gruda and went to the ocean of milk, surrounded by the demigods and demons. And the last verse of this chapter, thereafter Gruda, the chief of the birds, unloaded Mandara Mountain with it from his shoulders and brought it near the water. Then he was asked by the Lord to leave that place and he left. So, you know, these, these pastimes are just what, you know, using a mountain to, uh, using a, well, as we're going to see in the next verse, a chapter, using a snake as like a, a, like almost like a tug of war rope to, uh, have a mountain, uh, churn the ocean of milk into nectar. Um, and yeah, the whole thing is just, it's it's um as we would say as we would say in the sixties and seventies far out, right? But you know we also say that if God is if there is a God wouldn't he want to do far out things? Would he want to just do like you know you know normal things like you know build a a Tesla or something? <laughs> you know He'd want to do something? So in the purport, it talks a little bit about that. First there's a very interesting. Uh, There's just, you see how so personal things are, even though we're dealing with these great souls. So here, Garuda was asked by the Lord to leave that place because the snake Vasuki, who was to be used as the rope for churning, could not go there in the presence of Garuda. Garuda, the carrier of Lord Vishnu, is not a vegetarian. (laughs) He eats big snakes. Birds do that, right? Vasuki, being a great snake, would be natural food for Garuda, the chief of birds. Lord Vishnu therefore asked Rudra to leave so that Vasuki could be brought to churn the ocean with Mandara Mountain, which was to be used as the churning rod. These are the wonderful arrangements of the Supreme Personality of God. See, so you see Prabhupada, oh, they're, from Prabhupada's point of view, they're wonderful. It's just like amazing. Nothing takes place by accident. Carrying the Mandara Mountain on the back of a bird and putting it in its right position might be difficult for anyone, whether demigod or demon, but for the Supreme personality of God, everything is possible as shown by this past nine. That's what, everything is possible. The Lord had no difficulty lifting the mountain with one hand and grew his carrier, carried all the demons and demigods together by the grace of the Supreme Lord. The Lord is known as Yogeshwara, the master of all mystic power, because of his omnipotence, if he likes, He can make anything lighter than cotton or heavier than the universe. Those who do not believe in the activities of the Lord cannot explain how things happen. Using words like accident, they take shelter of ideas that are unbelievable. Nothing is accidental. Everything is done by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. As the Lord himself confirms in Bhagavad Gita, mayad dakshena prakriti suyate satyaracharam. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about what this means right and um and i hope you remember that from last week we talked about Krishna's neutrality in most of the dealings in this world and how you know if and how we have our karma anyway we we talked about that last week whatever actions and reactions occur within the cosmic manifestation they take place under the superintendence of the supreme personality of god however because the demons do not understand the potency of the lord when wonderful things are done the demons think that they are accidental so the point, what I, what I was trying to get out of the explanation last week, um, and for those who weren't there last week, it's not that, you know, what is that, that that cartoon, right? That the man is walking down the street and there's a um, piano, you know, that's, you know, they're trying to put him to the penthouse apartment, but it's on a rope. And and it's not like Christian is just waiting. Okay, yeah, okay, let go of the piano the guy. Is, <laughs> right? It, we have our karma and, and there's a whole discussion about that, which we talked about the Odyssey last week. Um, but just this point about um, just how this pastime we're going to be hearing is just, uh, it's going to be um, mind-blowing and wonderful. And the, the outcome is, uh, is just so cool. It keeps you on the edge of your seat as we hear about that. Comments, questions? And we did finish this chapter with time to spare. If not, what we could do, we can see, we can go on and start the next chapter, but I also would be happy to open this up for any question about anything or any comment about anything that's been on your mind this past week or month or year or lifetime, you know. Uh, Yeah, go ahead, Andy.
4: (laughs) Since we have time. Uh, I was very interested in the purport to last first where he's actually repeating the thing about chance. Nothing happens by chance. Right. But he said the demons believe in the quote chance unquote theory of creation. Whereas the demigods believe in the creation by the hand of the Supreme personality of God. Right. Now, my question is do you really believe that he's talking about something in a different Yuga trillions of years ago? Or maybe he's talking about something uh, fairly current when he says uh, he's using the word demons, but he might he might have used the word scientist, But he's <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: um, I always want to be careful about this because I sometimes find that the devotees will whitewash all all scientists are just you know uh, you know I I might not be here today if it wasn't for modern science right because I had a uh, a valve repaired in my heart 10 years ago. And actually my father had the same problem, but he died like a year or two after the operation because they didn't, they didn't have the know-how that they had when it was time for me to have the operation. Um, Prabhupada's con- main concern about scientists was specific and it was about them. Um, well, one is wandering into the field of theology and not being um, uh, sufficiently humble to state what they, what we do do know and what we don't yet know, and, and therefore not making assumptions about what we don't know. Now a friend of mine, let me see if I can find it real quick. My friend Brahmatirtha just sent me, uh, I don't know if it was on, it was a
2: chat.
0: Give me a second. When, when you know, there's too many ways to um, communicate these days, right? WhatsApp and and this and that. That's not there. Let me check WhatsApp. He sent me an article about scientists and humility and the importance of it. Let me see if I can just find it real quick. And I can put it in the chat. Hmm. Not there. I guess he sent maybe he sent it as an email. Hold on. One more place I can check. <laughs> ah, five reasons why intellectual humility is good for you. Let me see if I can put it in the chat. I don't know if that they may not oh let me see if I can find the link. Copy link here. This I think is what you really need. There you go. Uh, and he said it was a good article. And he is in charge of the Bhaktivedanta Institute, the science wing of, of our organization. So if you're interested, you could uh, uh, copy and paste that. So yes, it's 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 uh, science does great things, and at the same time, um, if. <laughs> The whole thing about, because uh, one of the one of the problems with, to be quite frank, one of the problems with um, intelligent design, if you ever heard of that, intelligent design is uh, is often what, because it enters into the field of politics. It's usually evangelical um, Christians that promote this, and you know they they so it's seen as a, a Republican, right wing conservative, anti-abortion, you know, all these things that it it drags a lot of um, baggage into the field of of theology, (laughs) right? And um, the Vedas, of course, have this intricate, incredibly amazing uh, description of how the world comes to be. And at the same time, you know, the simple point of, it just makes sense that there's intelligence behind it, <laughs> right? But uh, I would I would leave that to sometime. Maybe if you ever were interested, we could have Brahma to come, sometime and uh, explain things from a more scientific viewpoint, which is not my. I'm if anything, uh, I'm involved in social sciences. Yeah, Dean.
1: Yeah, I was wondering if um, anyone had heard of. Uh... A guy named Stephen Meyer. Um, yeah, you have heard of him. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of. I, I find him really interesting because he's a tried and true scientist, and he feels like the more, uh, the more I guess research that he does, the, the, it, I think the that, that he's coming back to um, intelligent design. Or, or yeah, and. Um, I guess like in particular with, the uh, Darwin's theory, um, you know, as we've learned more and been able to, uh, you know, examine more and learn more about the physical world, a lot of the, at least in his estimation, uh, and, and some other scientists too, that I think is growing in number in their estimation, that theory is not, not holding up. So I think just to give you one example, um, when Darwin made his theory, uh, that initial leap from just sort of inert matter to uh, the first sort of basic building block blocks of cellular cellular you know matter was con- considered very short, not not a big jump. but what they're saying now is that um, those quote, simplest building blocks of life actually way 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 more complex than than what they they understood back then and um, I don't know he's kind of an interesting, certainly very interesting uh, Yeah. YouTube, um, things I think like the Hoover Institution does a lot of interviews with him and stuff like
0: that yeah and uh, two of two um, devotees of Krishna, uh, Sataputhen and Judy Karma wrote a book on um, called Forbidden Archaeology. It's not mm-hmm. a, it's not a um, light read during lunch hour. <laughs> it's a thick book. They also wrote a popular version of it, The Hidden History of the Human Race.
1: What is it about exactly?
0: It's primarily um, they did. Ex- I, I know because I actually lived in San Diego for a short time when they were researching it. Um, it's an, ex- it's an extensive research about how the um, archeology, span uh, how archeological findings were uh, selective in what they present to the public. Yeah. Uh, and the ones that don't fit into the theory um, didn't make their way into um, public knowledge.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And they did a lot of uh, research, but they, they try not to, they tried very carefully not to write it in some kind of um, conspiracy theory you know, wild thing like you see on the internet or something, but rather just stating the fact, you know, because they traveled around the world to different places and found things in museums that weren't for public consumption and all sorts of stuff like that. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So anyway, um, other questions, comments about life as we know it or don't know it?
1: I don't know, I've I've never really understood why even from the outset, this discovery of more and more scientific, uh, you know, phenomenon, phenomena and whatnot, somehow disproves God, or even if anything, to me, it's like when you find more and more patterns to it, it suggests more and more design behind it. Um, but I think because we, we, you know, our, uh, frame of reference in the West is the, You know, Judeo Christian concept of creationism, which is, you know, I I think he covers it in a paragraph in the Old Testament, right? I mean, it's not, and I'm always thinking, like, you know, that's not the only description of creation. I guess to some extent, to some extent with, with this philosophy, you know, I'll have discussions with people, and they'll be like, "Well, why why did they discuss? this Why don't they discuss the science more?" They be, you know, I'll tell them a little bit about our philosophy, and I'm like, well, ultimately, it's not the point, you know, like this, the material world is so limited and, and whatnot, and it doesn't lead to what their their estimation would be the ultimate goal. Why would they sit around and discuss you know, subatomic theory, or, or <laughs> not to mention it was a much older era, people probably would have had the capacity to get that anyway. I don't know, it's uh, stuff's all I think kind of interesting. Thank you.
0: Other comments, questions?
1: Ben and I each had a question. All right,
0: Jenny, go ahead. Who's gonna get the first one, you or Ben? Or is it the same question?
1: uh no we each had a different one um I'll go first if I can
0: ladies first yes Uh.
1: I think it was verse 24 uh didn't have a purport I don't know it caught my eye okay
0: um
1: yeah yeah, the there or whatever the demons ask agree to their proposal I don't know if you could talk about that verse, or I guess I'm trying to sneak some like Real world application. Oh,
0: <laughs> I, well, I think that's what
1: I'm trying to pull from it, but I don't know if that's that's a thing.
0: <laughs> well, it, it, yeah. Be, so, um, okay. So this is kind of my field, right? Conflict resolution. So, in, in, in one thing in conflict resolution, one thing you're always looking at is the power power dynamics, right? Uh, well, I don't know if I'm right, but it's a uh, and I mean. I think it's interesting that you brought that up. So let me see if I can give me a second here. I just have to go to, believe it or not, the MIT website. And then look for, oh, what was it? (laughs) Oh, open, there it is, open courseware. All right, and then, i go to negotiation. This is uh, my mentor and Henry knows this person very well. Uh, her name is Mary Rowe. And so just, to, just be, um since we're delving into a bunch of different things today. Um, ah, here we go. Okay, so let me share my screen. So there's different sources of power. And I'm, this is a roundabout way to answer your question, Jenny. <laughs> Uh, and this is from uh, her website. Um, so, sources of power in negotiation, because actually what's happening is in negotiation. So one is positional power. Uh, I'm the boss, you do as I say, I'm the president or whatever, the CEO. I'm gonna go through these quickly. Uh, you, can, you have power if you can reward people. That's a kind of power. Again, I'm your boss, I can give you a raise, right? You have power if you can sanction people. A policeman has some power. Uh, again, uh, a CEO or, or a supervisor. Um, of course, force is a kind of power, right? And um, you know we're we're learning we're seeing that in uh, Russia and Ukraine right now. Um, uh, information is a kind of power, especially in this day and age, right? If you have the ability to get information, information. Can, you can walk into doors, right? Uh, walk through doors with information sometimes. Being expert at something is a kind of um, power, right? If you're, if yeah, um, I, I see that a lot. If somebody is a subject matter expert in something, and we're having a discussion, there's going to be deference to that person because they know what they're talking about. Uh, This is the kind of power that a mediator, someone in my position, has someone who can help you come up with an elegant solution. That's a kind of power. This is a very important power in any um, faith-based situation. Uh, Charisma, reverent, moral authority. You may not have a a position of any kind, but you're a saintly person. uh, And that that gives you um, power. Or you're a great orator, something like that. This is an interesting one, by the way, commitment is actually usually seen as a positive thing. It's kind of negative in the sense of person who's like a pit bull and just doesn't give up. Right. And that's a kind of power, you know, if you just, you just keep on sending out 10,000 emails until the person just, you know, is, okay, what do you want? <laughs> you know, um, and being able to develop relationships uh, is certainly a kind of power. And this is an interesting one: batna, or having the best alternative to a negotiated agreement. So, if if you have a strong Plan B, then you have a lot of power in a negotiation, right? Now, the now the the um, the demons had a little bit of more of a batna. They were they were winning, right? They were stronger at this point in time. Okay that that goes back to the previous chapter um and my dear demigods with patience and peace everything can be done but if one is agitated by anger the goal is not achieved therefore whatever the demons ask agree to their proposal so they were stronger they had the upper hand and yet they could see that working together we're going to learn this in future chapters they could get what they want right so that's the context, but in this particular verse, I think there is something to be said that, um, what is that saying? You can often get more done by honey than by vinegar. You ever heard that?
1: You catch more bees with honey. You catch more
0: bees, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you catch more bees with honey than vinegar, right? Yeah, something like that, yes. Okay. Right, or or Prabhupada once, I guess it's a Bengali saying maybe, or maybe Raghunandan could tell me, or Chiva Tattva, um, that uh it's a little different but that bee, you should be like a bee going for the honey and not like a fly attracted to the uh debris <laughs> right so um i think this is i think this is a time place and circumstance but i you know as a general rule i i think especially in, in devotee sangha in, in friends and things Patience and peace is really the way to go. Now, there may be some times, you know, if you're being, you know, chased down an alley by somebody with a knife, you'd really like to see a policeman who has a gun who can threaten them, right? (laughs) Or something like that. It's not a time for the policeman. Well, let's talk about this for a few minutes while while they run past you, right? So there, you know, there's a time for everything. But as a general rule, um, I think uh, the goal can be achieved by patience and peace. And patience, by the way, is one of the um, six. One of the six most important qualities for a uh, for someone practicing bhakti. It says, uh, enthousi- The first three are enthusiasm, confidence, and patience. You know, what's, what does that say? Rome wasn't built in a day. Uh, you know, and neither is bhakti. Is that all right?
1: That's great. Thank you.
0: Okay. I'll Go ahead, Ben. Uh, my question was about
5: um, verse 21 or text 21. Okay. <clears> to <throat> guys... really
0: read these carefully, more carefully yeah. than me. Go ahead. <laughs> Immediately endeavor to
5: produce nectar, which a person who is about to die may drink to become immortal. Um, and then it talks about, you know, as they're going to agitate and churn the ocean using Mandara Mountain you know, to produce nectar from the ocean. So, um, like, metaphorically speaking, this is like, I don't know, maybe I'll, my initial question, this will go beyond the scope of, but, you know, does the ocean represent, uh, like, Krishna, Krishna's love, like, the, the nectar that's produced from that? And then as, you know, the person who is about to die, is this someone who is... Uh, Again, like I've got the sort of a a Christian background, or, you know, like my context for some of the, for looking at some of this is from a a Christian viewpoint. Totally understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Which is um, like thinking of like, stories of jesus saying hey i'm the living water you know you drink from me you'll never die you'll never grow thirsty all that stuff right so when the demon demons and demigods are going to endeavor together to produce this nectar which is basically going to you know provide eternal life for this person so with this person be who is about to die that would be those who are learning about bhakti and learning about krishna um you know, this is it's it's sort of like uh like in recovery, you know, you can't keep it unless you give it away. Like the whole 12th step thing, you know, going out and serving like with other alcoholics or, or you know, just ministering to other people in, in whatever way is just, you know, living. Um, being a better human and like showing God's love flowing through you, which is going to help inspire other people, hopefully to. Become better humans, also. Wow, you just said a
0: whole lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, first, gonna, I'll I'll start with the last point, and, uh, and then I'm going to check with uh, Ragu Nandan and and or Jiva Tatwar, his good wife, about um, what I'm going to say after that, because I'm I'm 95% sure, but I want to check it with the other learned people here. But but very much we we um, adhere to that. Uh, you know, when you give bhakti away you get a lot more bhakti mm-hmm. and and it's that 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 mood of charity uh, the highest kind of charity is to give someone knowledge or give someone you know love right it's not you know um uh yeah you get the idea and so that's very much the mood it, and it's it's kind of natural if somebody gives you something that's really great you naturally want to share it uh now sometimes uh people in this world whether they're krishna bhakta's or christians or or is whatever faith it is we sometimes haven't always shared things in the most mature way we sometimes we can be kind of fanatical right like, you know uh you know and 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 by the way krishna bhakta's are, are not uh um they've also been guilty of that put it that way <laughs> yeah. uh and and you know 19-year-old Brudge was definitely like, <laughs> I was going to save the world by the time I was 20 <laughs> and save all the infidels.
5: <laughs> uh,
0: but okay, but, but your point, that, that last point you make, very nice. Now, um, words can be used in different ways. So my understanding is, uh, and Ragh- Raghunanda and, and Jiva or, or um, Ananda Rupa, my understanding is that this is not like eternal eternal, right? That they would get they would get long lasting life and their body would be very stout and strong. The only way you get eternal life is by love, by bhakti, not just by drinking uh, some nectar. Of course, um, yeah. Um, so that's that's one point. Um, and then, but but the word amrita or nectar is used in a very beautiful way also that you um, you drink you, or they say sometimes that you uh, drink through the ears the holy name of Krishna and the words about Krishna. so obviously the ears don't drink, even big ones like mine uh, but uh, but that metaphor is there that the real nectar uh, of immortality is in the Learning is in the hearing about Krishna and chanting Krishna's name and chanting God's name um, in all varieties of religions. So I went to a Mennonite school, by the way, and they they really believe in singing and they do it all generally without um, accompaniment, so that it's all done in four-part harmony and things like that. Acapella is really beautiful. Um,
1: of course, some buggies are going past us right now, actually.
0: Oh, okay, that's <laughs> right. Are they singing? they
1: no, they look very cold, but
0: <laughs> I'm sure they are. Yeah. Um, like two right there. <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> oh. They're in uh, Amish country, or partially, right? Yeah. So, of course, some buggies. Um, yes, but so does the the nectar. Um, it it it's like the nectar of the demigods, rather than the nectar of Krishna. I, that's the way I would see it. And, and the demigods live for incredibly long periods of time without disease. Uh, Raghunandan, I was looking at your body language. You you agree with what I'm saying? Yes, Prabhu. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if that did justice. I don't think that your your question was beautiful and mine was, eh. But uh, my answer was, eh. But that was the, uh, so um, I like the way you try you and try to understand that symbolism. I, I tried to um, do the best I could with that. Okay, Ben? All right, thank you, you're very gracious to say that. So our time is up for this week. Now, I don't know if, was this torture? and so you kept looking at your watch? Oh, now I can't go out the Zoom or what will Brudge think? Or did it go by quickly? I won't ask you, but uh, <laughs> I hope it was the latter. Um, and we will uh, Krishna willing uh, continue next week um, same time, same place and we will start the next chapter, which is uh, an interesting a very interesting chapter. Anandarupa, you went on video did you or your husband want to say something before we end?
3: Um, my husband uh, was into something and he just stopped by so I opened the camera so he can to-
0: all right we get to see him. How do you roll? <laughs> Another one.
3: You quite a few times he was not around so sorry that's why he could not yeah. respond
0: that's why we could talk behind about him behind his back okay good <laughs> <laughs> all right so so good to see everyone uh Appreciate it. have a have a lovely week and uh see you uh in um six days and 22 and a half hours from now <laughs> okay thank you. Hare Krishna.
2: thank you so much thank
0: awesome. you thank you dana
1: Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna Ben, Hare Krishna Jenny, Hare Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna Andy.